Hello and welcome to the Arts Report for March 27th, 2013. Today on the show, we talk a little bit with World Theatre Day, Blood Relations, and Peter Panty's soundtrack. And we talk experimental art and music. All coming up on the Arts Report on CITR 101.9. Hello and welcome to the Art Support on CITR 101.9. I am your host, Megan, and today we are going to talk about theater and we're going to talk about theater music and we're going to talk about music and performance art. But first, I want to wa- wish everyone a happy World Theater Day 2013. Uh, the author of this year's World Theatre Day message is Dario Foe. He is uh, the... You can check out all information uh, about them on worldtheaterday.org. That's world dot, world-theater-day.org. Uh, and he, this uh, gentleman, Dario Foe, he wrote a message that you can hear in languages from all over the world. And so uh, he, uh, you can also read it um, online if that is your bag. So I thought what we would do is start today off with a uh, message, with the message in English from worldtheaterday.org. And then coming up, we'll talk a little bit about Blood Relations, which we introduced last year. We'll hear a bit of a review. And that is with uh, Theater UBC, who has a special World Theater Day prize for everyone tonight. So everyone can go out and enjoy a little theater on World Theater Day. So here we have World Theater Day message by Dario Fo in English. And when we come back, we'll have a review from Riley and from uh, Blood Relations. Stay tuned. Power resolved the intolerance against the Commedia dell'arte actors by chasing them out of the country. Today, actors and theatre companies have difficulties finding public stages, theatres and spectators, all because of the crisis. Rulers are therefore no longer concerned with the problems of control over those who express themselves through irony, wit, sarcasm. Since there is no place for actors, nor there is, a, is there a public to address. On the contrary, during the Renaissance in Italy, those in power had to make a significant effort in order to hold the Conte at bay, because they had such a large audience. It is known that the great exodus of Commedia dell'arte players happened in the century of the Counter-Reformation, which decreed the dismantling of all theatres used of offending the Holy City. In 1697, Pope Innocent XII, under the pressure from Insistent requests from the more conservative sides of the bourgeoisie and of the mission of the Tordinona Theatre, which, according to moralists, had staged the greatest number of obscene plays. At the time of the Counter-Reformation, Cardinal Carlo Borromeo, who was active in the north of Italy, committed himself to the redemption of the children of Milan. 
establishing a clear distinction between art as the highest form of spiritual education and theatre as a manifestation of profanity and vanity. In a letter addressed to his collaborators, which I quote off the cuff, he expresses himself more or less as follows. Concerned with eradicating the evil weed, we have done our utmost to burn texts and infamous speeches, to eradicate them from the memory of men, and at the same time to prosecute those who divulged in publishing such texts. While we were asleep, however, the devil laboured with renewed cunning. How far more penetrating to the soul is what the eyes can see than that the words they read in a book. How far more devastating to the minds of adolescents and young people is the spoken word and the inappropriate gesture mm. rather than the dead word printed in books. It is therefore urgent to rid our cities of theatre makers as we would do with unwanted souls. Thus the only solution to the crisis lies in the hope that a great expulsion is organised against us and especially against young people who wish to learn about the art of theatre a new diaspora of comediante, of theatre-makers, who would, from such an imposition, doubtless draw unimaginable benefits for the sake of a new representation. And those were the words of Dario Fo for World Theatre Day, March 27th, today. Um, he was born in March 24th, 1926, uh, an Italian satirist playwright, theater director, among many other things, and the recipient of the 1997 Nobel Prize. So his main work, uh, his dramatic work, was in the Commedia dell'arte style, which uh, you can actually learn about from the Arts Report a few weeks ago. Uh, Sarah Lapsley talked a about that after going to a workshop and seeing uh, Don Juan. So uh, he wrote uh, about 70 plays, uh, co-authoring many of them with his wife, and uh, he has had a long and storied career, which you can read more about on worldtheaterday.org. So happy World Theatre Day. Uh, he is currently uh, owns and directing. Some ominous tones to reintroduce Blood Relations, which is playing... Uh, this week at the Frederickwood Theatre at UC, uh, written by Sharon Pollock and directed by uh, Jeanette Blaif of the UBC Theatre Program. This is the schoolyard rhyme come to life. Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax, etc., etc. Um, and uh, this very evening for World Theatre Day, $5 to see the show, and then you can enjoy a talk back with Professor Cheryl Grace, author of Making Theaters A Life of Sharon Pollock. And Sharon Pollock won a Governor General Award for drama, uh, so you know that the writing is there. But how was the production? How was, uh, how was the experience? We have a couple of arts reporters returning to us from last uh, week, Mike and Riley, who are going to tell us a little bit about the uh about the show 
Mike and Riley, can you tell us a little bit about Blood Relations? We're hearing some of the soundtrack right now. Uh, Sharon Pollock won the Governor General Award for Drama, so I'd love to hear about what this, you know, what the writing was like. But uh, the big story, of course, would be the production because it is all produced by and directed by UBC theater students. And uh, the show tonight is $5 for World Theater Day with a talk back from Professor Cheryl Grace, author of Making Theater, The Life of Sharon Pollock. Welcome, Mike and Riley. Mm-hmm. Tell us. Quite a production. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was, it was fun. I went on opening night. I went a few nights later after yeah uh and i mean yeah it was so tell us um, a little bit about the storyline and kind of the the atmosphere as you experience and then we can talk a little bit more about specifics sure, sure. so i'll start off go for it um so it starts off with a pretty dark atmosphere for a lot of the a lot of the play you're sort of stuck in this mystery of whether or not this woman has committed the crime, um, and it's like sort of cut between the future and the past. Um, the future, when she is speaking with a friend, and um, they're trying to figure. Her friend is asking her, "Did you do it? Did you commit this crime? I know you were acquitted of this crime, but but it's all very mysterious. You don't know whether or not she actually did it." And so she kind of starts to take us back in a bit of a flashback to the actual scene of the crime, the events surrounding the axe murders of her two parent, or her stepmother and her father? Um, yeah, uh, and in terms of the experience, the set was uh, really well uh, put together. I thought it was... Uh, the beginning of the play starts with this giant, elaborate cage, birdcage of sorts, opening up uh, and presenting this state out of which the main storyline, that of sort of the flashback to the preceding events to the mm, supposed murder. Um, outside of that, uh, there's another storyline of, or just interspliced amongst these other two storylines is little tidbits from uh, the actual trial. So the, uh, <laughs> I don't know my lawyer terms, but the the, def- the defense, that's some high high technical yeah. <laughs> mumbo jumbo there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't have a degree in that. So <laughs> degree in remembering terms. Yeah, uh, but there's just uh, little excerpts from things that um, um, either were said or uh, could have been said by the defense lawyer. And I think um, one of the main points that was brought up by the uh, defense was. Um, it sort of lends itself into another discussion that we could have. Um, it was sort of, could you imagine this woman doing this heinous crime? Um, looking at her right now, seeing her over the past few days of the trial that had taken place, could you imagine this woman doing such a terrible thing as murdering these two people? And I guess before hardcore DNA, which is still yeah. developing, <laughs> like it really is that it would have been a, a lot of storytelling in the courtroom would have been mm-hmm. the main way to discuss these crimes, eh? Yeah. This, this is in the... Eight- 1800s? Like, yeah, 1890. They're like, you're lucky if they understood. I don't even know. Do they even understand fingerprinting at that time? You know what I I mean? I don't know. (laughs) That is another degree I don't have. uh, You guys are really letting me down on the law degree. But subject yeah, matter here. That, that is another interesting discussion because a lot of it is sort of anecdotal mm-hmm. and it lends itself to a discussion of whether or not that is reputable evidence mm-hmm. or something that is trustworthy, whether, like he said, she said, sort of, uh, where were you when this happened? There's no actual substantial evidence that could be posed to either incriminate or acquit 
her, and yet she was acquitted for the crime. Now, it looks just from pictures online and what I've heard, it looks like they're using a lot of traditional kind of dress, and they're really setting you in that time frame. Um, you know, was that effective? Tell me a little bit about the, the performances that you saw. Um, I guess what I thought was cool about the performances, but a lot of the actors played two parts, so they would switch, oh, okay. switch in between the present scene and the past scene, and a woman who was playing, who would be speaking to, to Lizzie Borden in the present would all of a sudden be Lizzie Borden in the past. So she was really sort of acting out the whole endeavor in, in an attempt to understand whether or not her friend did, did mm. murder her parents. Um, so we thought that, that these girls were very versatile in the way they did that. Great. Now, uh, your friend did the, she was uh, the stage She's manager? The, yeah, stage manager. Uh, do you sister. have any, do you have, oh yeah, your sister, <laughs> yeah. sorry. Uh, so do you have any, like, inside gossip or inside anything gossip. Yeah. Fair? Or um, any, any, any tidbits about the actual production from the back end? I guess I just know that they all worked really hard on it. Um, she's been just constantly, pretty much all she talks about is this <laughs> nice. play and how much work it is, but also how much she loves it, I guess, and how the whole team kind of pulls together to make the production, yeah. Great. So, is it is it worth the the five dollar price to mm-hmm. go and check it out today? Yeah. yeah, for sure. I would love to hear a talk back as well mm-hmm. about um, uh, Sharon Pollock. Because I mean, it was like you said, the writing is fantastic. It is an exceptionally interesting play to watch. It is very, like it's a mystery of sorts whether or not Great. she did this or not. And so, fascinating mm-hmm. to watch. Great. So, um, any other thoughts about uh, either the production or, or the performances that you'd like to share before we take a break? Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, I guess uh, the the actors themselves, a, we both think, <laughs> did a wonderful job. The the men in the play sort of took a secondary role, I would say, to these two lead women. It's about who, time. <laughs> <laughs> to these two lead girls. Uh, now, was that a, a for story, or was it more the these girls were maybe stronger performers? Or I think to a degree. More presence? Was, yeah, they were just... They really, they really put it all out there. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, part of it is the story. It is about this girl played by two different girls. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I would say that the girls did, and a great job of taking that by the reins and running with it. <laughs> so use all cliches possible. <laughs> oh, good, good. Well, as many cliches as possible is, is how we roll here at the Edge Report. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, thanks so much for for coming in and uh, sharing another step on your theater journey. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we uh, hope to have you back again soon. Gladly. Thanks, guys. We are going to take a brief break, and when we return, we're from Vita Hille, whose soundtrack to. Peter Panties is out on vinyl, and they'll be doing one of their last rock performances of this soundtrack slash cast recording slash original work uh, coming up on the 6th at the Wise Hall. So we will talk to her about the production of Peter Panties, which is a reimagining of Peter Pan with a little Macbeth, Mother Courage, and CSI thrown in, and uh, a little bit about what is coming up next for the songstress. Stay tuned. Right here on News 101. Right here on News 101. What motivated you to become a candidate in the provincial election? The media portrayal that resulted in polarizing images of black-clad activists taken to the streets. 
he was just explaining to us the reason why they wanted to show this film on campus. The official stance is that we are for the Olympics. News 101 reporter Brad Pepping was there. By discriminating against homeless people in Vancouver, there's a disproportionate impact on Aboriginal people as well as people with disabilities. I was pretty outraged. I mean, it is outrageous. In-depth coverage from an alternative perspective. News 101 is Vancouver's only live, volunteer-produced student and community newscast, bringing you local, national, and international news from an alternative perspective. Tune in Mondays and Fridays at 5 p.m. right here on CITR 101.9 FM Vancouver. Live streaming and podcasts are available online at citr.ca. I will say B, Peru. I'll do it. And that's your final answer? Yes. You could buy a new car. You just want... $33,055.78. To everyone who donated to this year's fund drive, CITR would like to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who helped us meet and exceed our goal of $30,000. Your generous donations help us support local artists, businesses, and marginalized voices in the community. And special thanks to our major sponsors of the Fun Drive Finale Silent Auction, the Cobalt at the Travel Cuts UBC at TravelCuts.com, and Chad Woodley at the Sanitary Electric Company at TattoosByChad.com. And we are back on the Arts Report. Thank you indeed to our major sponsors uh, and all of you at home for Fun Drive. We're still glowing over here. Um, And I wanted to uh, say that uh, while we listen to Veda Hele and some music uh, for Peter Panties, speaking of Peter Panties, uh, coming up on Sunday, Saturday and Sunday, we have a couple of cool events. Um, Saturday at the Cobalt, who was one of our major sponsors, uh, there is going to be Man Up's uh, fifth anniversary uh and that is a drag king show and that is uh going to be happening at the cobalt on saturday and then on sunday uh apocalyptic is having two events uh the first is apocalyptic presents drag little mermaid uh and they are going to be doing performances uh from peach cabla lady gem miss cobalt 2012 and yanita work uh, doors are at 10.30, shows at 11, covers 8 bucks, and they were going to be doing uh, the very odd theme style of Apocalyptic in the theme of The Little Mermaid. And uh, we would love to get you in, so if you uh, want to uh, give us a tweet, actually, the phones are down right now, so you can tweet us at our CITR Arts Report and give us a shout, uh, and also y- you should uh, mention that you're listening to us and that you want to go to Apocalyptic, and I will hook you up with two passes to the show this coming Sunday. And then after, stick around for the uh, Mr. or Ms. Cobalt drag competition. Uh, It is in its 
final phase. So we're looking for uh, Caswell Van Dyke, Celestial Seasons, Jane Smoker, Maya Girlfriend, Tranipus Rex, and Valanie Vile. Now, Tranipus Rex is a friend of the show and a friend in my heart. And my official shout out, I've been on the show talking about uh, uh, a bunch of stuff for uh, Rainbow 24 last June. And joined us with the Sad May crew. And uh, does uh, not necessarily drag kinging on but gender bending and he makes it interesting he makes it fabulous and he likes to play with gender norms so that's the kind of stuff i like i like it heady that was a drag pun think about it later you'll get it um so if you want to check out these shows uh tweet at citr underscore arts report and tell us that you would like to win tickets and tell everyone that you love listening to citr Arts Report Wednesdays at 5. And then also tonight, check out at the Cobalt uh, Snag, which is the weekly art party. You can check out some of uh, art being made right in front of your eyes. And then you can take some of it home with just a few raffle tickets. It's amazing. Uh, And one more announcement. Uh, We are having our annual general meeting this Saturday at Rhizome. If you are a member of CITR or if you would like to become a member, if you want to hear about the inside scoop on what's going on and what our plans are for all that money that we raised, with us a little free food and uh, become a member, then you can show up at Rhizome on Saturday and you can check out more information at citr.ca. Now, uh, I spoke on Monday at, to Vita Hilly at uh, her lovely home. And uh, she's very excited because the soundtrack slash cast recording of uh, the music for Peter Panties is now available on Bandcamp. Uh, you can also buy the white vinyl recording uh, in person at the show. And if you check out citr.ca, um, you can link to a bunch of information about Peter Panties at the Push Festival as well as videos uh, with excerpts of the show. And uh, what was interesting was that Peter Pantys was initially going to be quite this lighthearted play, but uh, the development of it, which Vita Hilly will tell us about, it it became quite a deep play with still quite humorous aspects. Um, You know, Peter Pan's not the main cheese in this retelling by uh, Niall, who is a young man with uh, Down syndrome, and he has a very unique way of looking at the world, and he always loved Peter Pan. He also loved Macbeth, CSI, and Mother Courage, and improv. And so uh, with with, uh, his writing partners, he decided to create a a show that would incorporate all his loves and his... uh, fascination with marriage and of course a little sprinkling of the sexy stuff that young men love so uh we are going to hear uh, a couple of excerpts from the stage play and then uh veda will uh tell us a little bit about the show developing the soundtrack and what she has coming up next
Well, Veda, thank you so much for having the arts report at your lovely home. <laughs> and we are here to talk a little bit about Peter Panties, mm. um, which recently you have released the original cast <laughs> slash inspired by recording uh, as vinyl and on band cap. So I thought we could talk a little bit about the back. Uh, Peter says, uh, I really want to have a kid. With you, maybe. Well, uh, it sucks. It just sucks. Why does it suck for her? No, that's a good thing. Oh. Sucks is a good thing. Not a bad thing. Okay. That's a lovely thing. Okay. Uh, does, uh, does, it, does Wendy get pregnant? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, pretend. Right, yeah, no, obviously it's pretend, yeah. <laughs> um, it's just a play. Recently, you have released the original cast <laughs> slash inspired by recording uh, as vinyl and on band cap. So I thought we could talk a little bit about the background to the show, the stage show that was on uh, stage January uh, 2011 of the Push Festival, and then talk a little bit about bringing it kind of to this this album version? Well, it started, I believe, back in 2009, I guess, is when Steve from Leaky Heaven first talked to me about the show. And I've known Niall McNeil uh, for a long time. So the idea is that Niall, who's an actor with Down syndrome from our community, uh, has always wanted to work on Peter Pan. And uh, so finally, Leaky Heaven and New World got together and got a bunch of funding and and gathered the people together so that we could actually do this show that he wrote. As soon as an amazing singer and uh, and I knew that he would come up with something interesting. Plus, the whole idea of uh, an adult with Downs in a man's body and it's a very it's a very there's a lot of lot of stuff to think about there. so they gave me some rough script stuff uh, right before I went to Berlin for a while and uh, music over there, and it was so inspiring. So these are the lyrics that Niall and Marcus wrote together. 
um, amazing, amazing gutsy lyrics that are very different than stuff I write on my own. So that it was, it was really fun. And I feel like I wrote a different kind of music to go with it. What was the feeling of adapting a classic stage show and story and, and just the music is so iconic? Um, what what was the feeling there? Was there any trepidation? Or uh, no trepidation. <laughs> you it was thinking it's the trepidation type at all. <laughs> no, well, once you know, I mean, I wouldn't want to rewrite the Rocky Horror Picture Show or anything like that, but, uh, but Peter Pan in this state uh, was so clearly going to be a wild ride. I was just really excited. Script starts uh, slightly traditionally, kind of like the movie with Tinkerbell and Peter looking in at the family, eating dinner and all that stuff, but it quickly goes to some totally different places with um, uh, Macbeth shows up and Mother Courage and um, and uh, Wendy's killed and CSI comes to a like it's a, it's a very It's a very id kind of project and... Um, Sort of. The show itself went a little darker because Niall and, Niall and Wendy and everyone went off and celebrated and Peter was left all alone, which is also the way it is. He's, mm-hmm. the, he's the one who stays yeah, where he it is. Really, right? the story came completely from Niall. Mm-hmm. And what Marcus found, because they got together once a week uh, for a year or two, and basically Niall would dictate the story to Marcus and then Marcus would ask him questions about it if there were places that were unclear. But what he found was that every time Niall had a very consistent storyline and plot. So it really all came from him and we just helped to figure out the ways to bring it out. So he'd been thinking about this for a while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Was it the themes of eternal youth? What, what is it like to live in a way that's different than other people? Yeah, I mean, I think Niall knows that his brain operates differently, mm-hmm. but I don't know that he would actually be conscious of trying to figure it out. I think it's much more about him really just talking about the things that he's interested in. Like he was in a production of Mother Courage and he was in a production of Macbeth and he loves CSI, and uh, and he loves Peter Pan. So it was parts that he was really interested in, mm-hmm. uh, and also his own thoughts about marriage uh, for himself, which is something he really wants. It all just came out in this story without being contrived in any way, and I think that that's what I responded to so well in the lyrics, too, that they're just pure. Now, you said that it was it was a different way, a different style of lyrics that than you would normally write. What effect did that have on you? Well, it was very, I found them very muscular, very punchy. And mm-hmm. um, I also knew that, I, I also knew I wanted to write music that Niall would like, and I know what he likes, which is, uh, you know, rock and hip hop and, and stuff that is, uh, got that similar kind of punch. Um, and then uh, about halfway through the process, we decided that my band for the show would be the Bank Dogs, which uh, is a band of teenage boys. They're all they're getting older now. They're seventeen, eighteen years old now. But over the hill. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I wish I'd taken the pictures earlier for the album because they were fourteen when we started working on stuff, um, and fifteen when we did the show, I believe. Anyway, uh, so knowing that it was going to be them, I also know what kind of music they like. So I. I like working within those kind of limitations to some extent. I, did, I wrote some stuff that was a bit challenging for the boys, but they figured it out. It was it was a pretty great experience. So we rehearsed together for quite a long time. And then a lot of the songs didn't weren't even in the show in the end. So once it was done, I, I really felt like I wasn't finished mm-hmm. with the music at all, and so I decided that I wanted to make a record with the Bank Dogs and... And the cast and other people, like a whole bunch of great singers and non-singers, um, 
and I and uh, yeah, and I got to do with JCDC, which was really exciting, a new a new thing for me working with those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the one of the things I got really excited about too was uh, Niall and I did some improv in studios. So those blues songs are improvised with just him and I and Torsten Mueller. Uh, I was looking for a way to have Niall's voice on the record, and I thought that the way he improvises is is really fantastic. Um, and so I wanted to have an example of that, and I felt like those fleshed things out really well. What are some of the lessons that you've learned or experiences that you've taken away from, from working in this way? I guess, I guess what usually when I'm working with other people's texts, uh, I have more control, or I take more control over it, like the, in the Craigslist musical or mm-hmm. the Emily Carr songs or things where I really manipulate the lyrics. This was a great experience to to really not want to mess with someone's voice mm-hmm. and and to uh, and to therefore find new things in my own voice, which is always when you've been around as long as I have, that's what you're looking for all the time is how to how to keep it new, even if it's just for yourself. Um, so yeah, it was great for that. And then I definitely am excited about doing some more work with John and Dave and JCTC. That was old in mm. any way, let alone mentally and let alone people and even those representations are often not maybe their own that's what I really totally because uh, I've seen a number of movies and plays uh, with Downs people in particular and I find that there's they're often just told what to do and it's such a shame because there's a real rich thing going on there certainly well I mean Niall is exceptional as well Mm -hmm. and he really understands theater and what it is and and lives there so uh there was no reason to try and make it anything other than what he wanted to do Mm -hmm. well one of the things i really appreciated about we got a great review in the toronto star for Mm -hmm. this record and uh, and uh, he didn't mention the downs issue or thing because it's i mean we really it was an interesting thing in the promotion of the theater show um wanting people to know some of the story but then also not it's really about the music it's not because of who it comes from so uh, that's what I hope for this was that a conscious choice that you made because it seems on the one hand to really highlight the talent and say you know this person has down syndrome like let's rethink how we you know mm-hmm. look at this on the other hand you don't want it necessarily it to be tokenism or it, you want it to stay exactly on well and that's why i was so happy with this album cover which is a photo that kate henderson took at uh the party we had when we were listening to the record for the first time and i just feel like this picture which of course you can't see on the radio but you can look <laughs> at it on the on the interwebs uh shows our scene it's not yeah. we didn't just go find someone some yeah that could be almost you know. any party photo <laughs> exactly so uh, i also such a yeah i love this photo bit of a ham yeah he, oh <laughs> totally totally he loves the attention next for you well the craigslist musical goes up again uh, at the review theater yeah. uh, so that is good um i am going to berlin again for a few months to write which is what i'm really excited about mm-hmm. it's time to write something new so May as well do it in Berlin, right? Anything. Well, <laughs> whatever you can do in Berlin. Yeah. Is there any anything percolating inside that you thought about? Or well, there's like... there's two main things which I probably shouldn't talk about very much, but one. I mean, one of them is a, another musical, which mm-hmm. so that would be the beginning of a long process. But it is all. I haven't written an album of songs that isn't for a, a special uh, project since 2008, I guess, with Riot Life. So it does feel like it's time to just write some songs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I did have a I did have an idea. I keep I've been totally obsessed with that "Call Me Maybe" song. Oh my goodness! And yeah. I keep thinking I could do that. I tried to write a whole album of super pop hits, and what would that sound like? So that might be. I am very interested in So that might be how I at least jump in there, seeing whether I can write something for Carly Rae Jepsen. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> Thank you very much, Veda. And we are going to listen to a couple of tracks off of Peter Penty's, uh, the new vinyl release in uh, 2011 at the Bush Festival by New World Theater and Leaky Heaven Circus. And you will be able to check it on April 6th, I believe, at, yeah, April 6th at the Wise Hall. Uh, this is basically a release party, uh, you know, 10 to 20 bucks, it's licensed. And uh, there is going to be bins, um with all of these people together. Um, we'll have uh, Veda Hille, uh, Niam, Niall McNeil, the Mank Dogs, the Fitz, and Adrian Teacher. And then there also, Veda will be at the Grandview Legion on April 9th with Ivan Coyote, local gender failure author. Uh, so check that out, and we are going to hear a couple of uh, track tracks from the side A of Peter Panties, and then when we will be back with arts reporter uh, Michael, who is going to tell us a little bit about his show on Friday at the China Cloud. So please enjoy Veda Hilly, Peter Panties. Sorry, a little bit of technical difficulties there. Um, so I think what we're going to do is uh, you can check out uh, information uh, for the release at vitahilly.bandcamp.com and uh, you can buy the tracks and the digital album as well. Uh, or you can pick up the vinyl at the... Uh, and, and I will find uh, the song that I wanted to play um, and we will hear that perhaps at the end of the show. But for now, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back talking about Space Melt at the China Cloud. Become a friend of CITR and get great discounts in the Commercial Drive area at Audio Pile, Bone Rattle Music, High Life Records, and the People's Co-op Bookstore. It pays to be a friend of CITR. To learn more, come visit us in room 233 of the sub on UBC campus or check us out online at citr.ca. Ever thought about volunteering with Big Sisters? Maybe now is the mainland provides girls aged 7 to 17 with a champion, a mentor who's there to simply be their friend and cheer them on. Become a study buddy tutor and spend one hour a week helping your little sister learn to love school. Or become a big sister and spend three fun hours a week just hanging out with your little sister. 
If you're age 19 or older, please visit bigsisters.bc.ca to find out more. Maybe now is the time. are listening to brontosaurus brunch from the space melt collective one of whose esteemed members the the artistic member uh is here with us he is one of our arts reporters michael welcome back to the show hi megan now uh space melt is a collective uh that is having a show at the china cloud this friday um and uh, we gotta be ready to be face melted yeah, it's going to be face melting. And now Space Melt is uh, experimental music and art with uh, Terry Ron, Michael Markowski, yourself, uh, and then Sam Davidson. Uh, and we are also going to be having special guests Lisa K. Miller, um, pianist, brastronauts Brian Davies, Colin Cowan of many, many bands and the China Cloud on bass, and Ellen Marple on trombone, and Robin Lane on percussion. So that is the people that are going to be there but tell us what what is space melt and what is the what is the experience going to be like for us on friday because i know i'm going um well it's pretty much unlike anything i think most people have ever seen or heard before it's an entirely improvised set of music and visual art and uh this is actually the first performance that uh we're going to be doing in almost three years we did a a bunch of shows three years ago and uh, finally all the people are together again in one place and so we're gonna have this big uh, extravaganza on friday at the china cloud and basically it all started at the bamp center a whole bunch of us met there back in 2009 and just started collaborating and jamming and um, it started as just musicians, and mm-hmm. I, as a visual artist, uh, got to know them all, and um, or, or I guess Sam and Terry, and uh, we just started uh, playing. And I was trying to—it f- was kind of a challenge for me to to do visual art to music and to improvise visual art. It sort of wasn't at the time my cup of tea or what I. But the kind of I, the Banff Center is one of those places where mm-hmm. stuff like that just happens and. Yeah, so it it kind of made you push yourself a little bit. Yeah, I just jumped right in, and it kind of ended up changing the whole course of my art practice. So tell us if, uh, let's go back for a second and tell me a little bit about yourself as an artist. Tell me about um, your visual artist, a little bit of some of the projects that you've done. Now, I was looking at your website, and you know, you've done some stuff on like in the Arctic, and like (laughs) with the Canadian Army, and like you're all over the place. Yeah, I, I, I guess now I have a really um, broad range of um, of styles and projects that I've been working on, and um, and Space Melt is just sort of another extension of that. Uh, I tend to, kind of the, the work I, I focus on is doing art where there's some sort of a challenge or a limitation, mm-hmm. and doing a, a kind of totally improvised 
performance with musicians is kind of like the you know end game of that kind of thing. Uh, as I said, I went up to the North Pole last year and I was making plein air paintings in the snow and the you know minus thirty five degree weather landscape paintings and um, so no big. Yeah, <laughs> no big, just a little thing. <laughs> and um, I'm uh, going up to Dawson City on Wednesday, and I'm doing a project up there where I'm going to try and paint a portrait of every single person in the town. Wow. I guess it can't, it's not a, a huge town, but that's still a pretty <laughs> daunting task. Yeah, there's about 1,500 people mm-hmm. there, and so that's about 40 drawings a day or wow. uh, one every 15 minutes kind of thing. That's uh, that's pretty amazing. So you are going to not just be doing like painting, but also like installation sculpture? Yeah, it was the first time to sculpture into the performances. In the past, I've done things where I've been painting like on a television or been uh, have a giant backdrop and I've been cutting into it and sort of revealing the the rest of the musicians behind the the painting that I've cut away. And then this one is going to be a little bit different. I wanted to try and do something three-dimensional. And because we have so many musicians this time, and uh, I don't want to sort of give away the the whole setup, but it's going to be a very immersive experience. And so I thought I would try and reflect that with the visuals by doing something that's also three-dimensional and coming into the space. And so I've been building all of these... uh, cardboard shapes, these sort of modular forms that I'm going to be um, cutting into and joining into other shapes and building a larger sculpture from that and and then also painting on it and using plaster and it's going to get really messy. Yes, <laughs> messy. Love it. And um, I know if you uh, check these guys out on spacemelt.ca or on their Facebook, facebook.com slash spacemelt, um, there are like pictures of, of kind of the work in progress. Give a little sneak peek of what it's going to be like yeah there's there's a few photos from stuff we've done in the past i think uh it's been it's been one of those things that uh you know we probably could do a better job of of updating it and because we have lots of video that hasn't been put up there and um but uh it's it's also it's one of those things that's kind of hard to convey properly Mm -hmm. through photo and video it's definitely an experience and um, it's and it's going to be really unusual. It's one of those things where uh, you don't. We I have no idea. Like we're the rest of the, you know, Terry and Sam refuse to practice. Like we can talk about it, but they don't <laughs> do any practicing, which is for me a little more Terrifying. stressful. <laughs> <laughs> because for every time I do, my contributions are, are totally new each time, and and theirs are as well. But mm-hmm. um, you know, this time I'm exploring a whole different medium as well. Uh, but uh, the, at the same time, um, the musicians that are participating alongside us are you know, some of the best in Vancouver. So, I mean, it's not as if it's just, it's, it could all fall apart and be a bunch of noise. These, these are all really accomplished people. So it's, what I think is really interesting is as a, as a visual artist is seeing this all come together and realizing that these people have never practiced. Some of them have never even met each other before. And they're all going to be performing for the first time in front of a large audience. Do you have any idea what you want your sculpture to look like? It's responding to what's happening to, like, to the music, and so I've I've created a bunch of these shapes and I've put it there. I kind of I don't. There's no certain direction that I've I've sort of forced myself down. 
Excellent. Um, now, we're actually listening to Brontosaurus Brunch by Space Melt, um, but this is from a few years ago, like three or four years now. Yeah. Um, can you give us any uh, idea about like where the direction has gone since then? Well, I think both uh, Sam Davidson and Terry Horan, um, they're both uh, wind musicians. Uh, Terry plays recorder and Sam plays clarinet and iwi. And I think kind of back then when they recorded this, um, they were still very kind of analog with their instruments. So mm-hmm. You can hear a little bit of Sam playing the iwi, the electronic wind instrument, which is this really super sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like completely counterintuitive. Yeah. Like it's an electronic yeah. wind instrument. So, he, so he's, I think he had just Lovely. gotten this instrument, so he was just sort of playing around with it, and um, you know, three years later, you know, they've been playing with like all the different, like Ableton and all these kind of crazy the software, and um, and I think like uh, Sam's got all these samples he's putting in, like he can like sample people's voices and then mix them into notes and stuff. I mean, it's it's really wild to awesome. hear what he's gonna do. So I think it's it's gonna be mo- much more of a multimedia experience than I think the the past few maybe have been. Um, and and then of course I have no idea what the other musicians if they're you know what they're planning on bringing. In terms well, that's of, the best part, right? Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. It's kind of exciting for me to be a part of it, and I, and uh, I think for the audience it's going to be like absolutely completely unlike anything they've ever seen or heard before. Excellent. So uh, Space Melt will be at the China Cloud uh, Friday, March 29th, uh, which is 524 Main Street. Uh, doors at 9. Uh, donation. Suggested donation 10 bucks. And uh, you'll get to hear uh, all of these guys play. You'll get to see Michael produce some on-the-spot art. Um, and uh, is there? do you have anything else coming up that we can uh, tell people about in terms of your projects? Um. Yeah, I think uh, I'd just Dawson's like everyone to come down to to the Space Melt show, and no <laughs> one will be turned away. If you, if you don't have ten bucks, you know, put a quarter in there. I mean, ideally, like we're we, we want to be able to pay all the musicians mm-hmm. that are participating, and um, and there's you know material costs that everyone sort of put in. So it'd be great if we could get you know money back, and so that everybody yeah. you know is, is compensated for their time. But course, I certainly want everybody to be able to. Come and enjoy something a little bit different. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, in the last few minutes, I have overcome my <laughs> technological shortcomings in life. And we are going to play two songs from uh, the Peter Panty soundtrack. Uh, the first is going to be um, Beautiful Mother, which is a favorite of Veda's. And then we will end with Mermaid Girl Fight, which I think is kind of ties us back to the apocalyptic Little Mermaid drag show that's happening on Sunday, and I am giving away tickets. So if you tweet at CITR underscore arts report and you uh, let us know that you're listening, let your friends know that you're listening, and uh, you can win those tickets. And you can also tweet at Peach Kabla and at uh, Is Old and Baron as well. Let them know that you are coming down so thanks so much everyone for listening uh to the arts report today on march 27th and thank you very much to all our guests mike and riley arts reporters michael markowski who is an artist right now but is in general one of our arts reporters um and uh veda hilly for talking to me about peter panties have a great night
your band playing on and on and on. Gosh, so loud. Man, I wish we had a safe place to play music. Yeah, and shows too. The Safe Amplification Site Society is a non-profit group dedicated to establishing a legal, affordable, all-ages venue for music and arts in Vancouver. For more information or to get involved, check out www.safeamp.org. You are listening to CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada.